Welcome to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy, um, we got a little bit of a break here from the live streaming and podcasting schedule. A little break for Christmas. Uh, first things first, housekeeping items, grumpy. How was Christmas? How was your celebration? How are your holidays? I'm conflicted. About conflicted. Conflicted. Very conflicted. Uh, it was great. I had my whole family was here for Christmas. It was fantastic. But I didn't get a goal score underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> So <laughs> he didn't get a goal scorer on a Christmas tree. Grumpy, who was the goal scorer that was on your Christmas tree list or on your, I guess, Christmas list there, Grumpy? Uh, it's not Simon Holmstrom. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Mike Hoffman, anybody who's out, you know, anybody, any type of, anybody can put the puck in the net. I was hoping to get one for Christmas and I didn't. I came up with, I came up with Bailey's and Lee's and Croc Nelson's. Uh, in my stocking. Not very good. <laughs> Grumpy old man. All joking aside, it was a good Christmas, Grumpy. Very good, thank you. How about yours? <sighs> not too bad. Not too bad. Got home, ready to get back to ready to get back to normal life, I guess you could say. Uh yeah, Grumpy though. There's there's been some there's been some Islanders news here. There's been some hockey news, I, I guess we can also say. Um it's been a lot going on, Grumpy Old Man, but I want to go ahead and bring in Paige uh, to to stump the grump, the segment where we bring in. Uh, Paige, go ahead and use, I guess, modern modern language and dialect to stump Grumpy as well as myself because we're not up with the times. We don't know all the new lingo and dialect people do use. So, Paige, we're going to go ahead and bring you in here to stump the grump. Hey there, guys. I have a question for you, Paige. You were not on the last podcast. Is that because – the pressure to try to stump the grumpy old man was too much for you, and you had to. Well, unfortunately, you know, I had a word, but had to spend some time with my family, time off school, so they came first this time. Sorry. Well, you better step up to the plate today. Okay, I'll definitely try to. All right. So my word of the day is high key, not low key, but high key. Grump, I'll let you take a crack at that first. Again, always me first because you don't have uh, the testicular fortitude to take the lead on that. I understand. Now, it could be a singing term. You know, hey, sings like an hockey, you know, something like that, like a Bee Gees. Uh, I saw a Bee Gees special. Matter of fact, in the last couple of weeks, documentary is pretty cool. Um, uh, but I know that's probably not what it is. Uh, but it could be, you know, mm -hmm. but it's not. How about you, TJ? Any Anything kicking around your head for that? I am going to use the thought process of low key is keeping things on the down low, not wanting it to be known. So high key, I figure, is like you wanting to shout it from the mountaintops, wanting people to know what you're talking about. Is that correct, Paige? It's actually pretty close. Okay. What it is. Go Would you figure. Want to a sentence? Yes. It'll help, actually. This is one yeah. I don't know. So high key, me and Thomas had a delicious Christmas dinner. I don't know. That's no help. It's just like factual. Hey, it's true that we had a good Christmas dinner. Very obviously is the correct definition. So I would say it's more in terms of what T or what TJ was saying, uh, like very obviously, like it's obvious we show it kind of like the opposite of low key, keeping it hidden, but expressing it very obviously. 
<laughs> that word suck, Paige. And it wasn't actually, it was two words. It wasn't one. Well, so, there are phrases, you know, they can't all be one word. Well, all right, whatever. I, it was an epic fail on your part. I knew what that word meant. Uh-huh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Got to, you got to go ahead and keep that rep up, right, Grumpy? He, yeah. he was getting I, some coffee. High key. I mean, that's also, you know, you can sing in a high key, too. So mm -hmm. it's not like what I said was wrong. It's true, but it's just not how the kids are using it these days. These kids are stupid. Okay. Nobody's arguing that point, grumpy old man. Well, thank you, Paige. You, I think, successfully definitely stumped the grumpy old man. So you're doing your job, Paige. Hey, no problem. Y'all have fun. All righty. <laughs> All righty, grumpy. Um, there there was, I wouldn't say necessarily Islanders news. Um, we did get to watch some Islanders prospects in action, though, grumpy old man. Um, and I want to stop you. I owe Josh Bailey an apology, a huge apology. I mean – Grumpy, I will bite. Why do you owe Josh Bailey a huge apology? Well, because uh, I've been saying how Simon Holmstrom is Josh Bailey 2.0. He's not. He makes Josh Bailey is like Gretzky out there compared to this kid. <laughs> I mean, I knew he sucked anyway. Oh, but when I actually got to watch him, yikes. I mean, he's sorry. You know what? I there used to be there used to be a character on the old NBC broadcast. I'm going way back to like the 1960s, early 1970s, called Peter Puck, and he would they'd come on an intermission, and Peter was shaped like a little puck, and he had little legs and hands, and he would tell you about offsides and goals and icing and all that stuff, teach you about the game. Um, what we could call, you know, in Sweden, you know, one of the greatest players from from Sweden history is Peter Forsberg. But to me, Simon Holmstrom is Peter Periphery because that's where all his play is, on the periphery. Uh, he, he, uh, yikes, yikes. I, and, I, and the worst thing was my pal, Philip Tomasino, two goals, one assist, and all that Holmstrom did was get a penalty. Actually, he was actually involved in the goal. He might even gotten an assist because they got him for a one-timer, but he was the pass was, the shot was so weak and so off target that it bounced behind the net over to somebody on the other side who potted the goal. It was terrible. All <laughs> stick aside, grumpy old man. Uh, <laughs> I, I I did get to watch the World Juniors game there. I believe it was um, Sweden against Czech Republic, right, grumpy? I don't remember. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, grumpy. I think it was Sweden against the Czech Republic. Um, I did pick up a few things, um, and I, I think it's important when we preface this. Um, he's overage. He's tw what is he? He's twenty years old, correct? It's is he under twenties or is he nineteen? He has to be nineteen then, right? He's twenty now. He's twenty, and you know, honestly, and you know, all kidding aside, when you're in the upper age limit for that tournament, you should be the guys who are driving the play. You're like the older guy. I mean, he was drafted in 2019, uh, you know, and he was outshined by a multitude of guys from 2020. I, I wouldn't say that. When I watch the game, Grumpy Old Man, I think the best way to characterize it is he showed flashes. There weren't like an extended time periods where he took over the game. He had, you know, dominant control of the puck or anything like that, Grumpy Old Man. That wasn't the case. He did have some nice moves, right? I mean, like he, I think he put a deke in between his legs and went ahead and had that nice backhand shot there on the goalie there from the Czech Republic. That being said, I, I think he had a few moments where he did well stick handling the puck. But you're right. I think. 
he is mostly on the periphery. That was his job. He's on the perimeter on the outside, you know, outside of the offensive zone. Um, he was on the second power play unit. He had some chances. Um, he did get an assist credited when he did go ahead and have that slap shot. It wasn't a great slap shot. It did kind of flub off his stick. Um, and then it was deflected there by the defenseman in front of the net. And he did get, you know, a fortunate point out of that grumpy old man. Um, but I do think there were a lot of players on that on that Sweden team who did kind of outshine him, though. I do agree with you there, Grumpy. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say that um, Simon Holmstrom is the perfect draft pick for the COVID world. Uh, he was socially distancing from the net. I mean, he never got closer than 20 feet. I mean, <laughs> I think he's scared of going too in there too deep. And you know, I, and that's you're right. I thought he was outshined by a number of prospects. It seemed like all of them from Detroit, honestly. That's that was actually a point I was going to bring up, Grumpy Old Man. Detroit in the last three years, I guess they have at least three prospects that are on the under twenty uh, World Junior team there for Sweden on their team. Lucas Raymond, obviously, most notably, he was the fourth overall pick in this last year's draft. Um, Theodor Niederback, he was pretty good. He had some good moments, and as well, you saw, uh, I think it was Elmer Soderblom. He also had a few moments where he looked good. I mean, again, he was a bigger guy, and he had that nice deke right in front of the net, and he was able to put that in. Obviously, you know, it, it always looks a little prettier when you're able to go ahead and execute that with a goal on top there, grumpy old man. Um, that being said, I thought they, I thought some players looked really, really great out there. I thought, again, as I'll say, Holmstrom showed flashes. I want to see that obviously continue to develop more. But to speak to your point, right, when you're older – you expect that player to be dominant, right? It's kind of like imagine a sophomore in college or, you know, college football reference, right? A sophomore in college should always typically be better than that freshman who's just coming in. It's kind of the same exact thing here, right? You expect Holmstrom to kind of take the reins and control things, but he didn't really. Not not, not to my opinion, grumpy old man. But again, there's only one game. Yeah, no. Um, I, I don't know what's going on, on your screen. It looks like there's a cat running around in yeah. front of your camera. Which, you know, <laughs> well, I I only mention it because you're so critical of anything going on in my your my little worldview over here, and I just think <laughs> I'd bring that up. Yeah, right. Grumpy, Grumpy, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Grumpy. We were out of town, so the cat gets attached to us, and as soon as we come back in, doesn't want to leave our side. So it will be, I'm sure, a nuisance all podcast, Grumpy old man. <laughs> See, I look at it differently. The cat missed you. I don't look at him as a nuisance. You should be nice to that cat. I mean, I don't care that he walks in front of the uh, the screen at all. I don't care. <laughs> Provides a little bit of comic relief, right, Grumpy? Yeah, and like I said, I was I was not impressed by um, by Holmstrom at all. Not at all. I didn't I didn't think much of his game, honestly. Uh, he's always on the periphery. He made a couple one sequence. He made a nice stick handle move. Uh, stick handle move, but. Uh, He's not strong on the puck. He gets bodied off the puck easily. Gets dispossessed of the puck easily. Um, I was, I, like I said, I was, I was disappointed. I, 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 did, I disagree. I disagree with him being dispossessed from the dispossessed from the puck easily. I thought he did have a really good stick handling ability. I thought he had good. I thought he had good puck handling skills as well, Grumpy. I'm not going to say they're elite level or anything like that, Grumpy old man. But I thought my I issue. Thought, my issue with that is it's not what we needed. And then when I see the guy who I wanted, who's picked the pick right after, come out and produce, you know, that's – it's. Uh, I mean, it's just frustrating for me. As I mean, we don't need guys like that. We need guys like Tomasino. 
or Kaliev or McMichael. That's what we needed. And we didn't. And now you're seeing those guys out certainly outshine uh, Holmstrom. I, I Like I said, he was just nondescript, I guess would be the best phrase that I would use on him. Nondescript. Grumpy old man and everybody who's partaking in the live stream and also listening to the podcast after the live stream. If you are keeping your bingo cards at home for when grumpy old man mentions every single podcast that we should have drafted XYZ over Simon Holmstrom, I want you to go ahead and put an X over that square because grumpy old man took no time at all to go ahead and remind you guys. <laughs> hey, well, but here's the thing, right? I, the only reason I brought him up is because I actually had to suffer through watching him play. And the longer I watched it, the more and more grumpy I became, honestly, because I'm like, what a waste of a draft pick. What a bust. And I, and I had, the worst thing was I had to come on this podcast and apologize to Josh Bailey for comparing this kid to him. Yikes. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Well, I, I totally omitted and didn't even mention this grumpy old man. But for the people who are going to be listening and not watching the live stream or the video afterwards, uh, Brish brings up a great point. He says, oh, grumpy um, is out of left field with the A's jersey. That's right. I'm wearing it because it's a Reggie Jackson jersey. He was number nine with the A's. But, you know, I always bring up my friend uh, J.G. Pajot the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson. All right. I can't, here's the thing. I can't turn around like that in this position like this, unless I was in a car accident, you're just going to have to take my word that it says Jackson on the back, which it does. And like I said, they were my favorite team as a kid growing up with the white shoes. I've discussed this before. And I said, you know what? I'm going to break out the old Oakland A's Jersey. <laughs> and they used to funny. They used to have three jerseys. They were the first team to have three jerseys. They wear their uh, greens were their home uh, for the most part. They had whites, which they wore on Sundays, and their yellows. Uh, I actually I don't remember when they wore them, but they had they had the Kelly green, which is this color. They had their yellow jerseys, and then they had the white, which was just for Sundays. So. What and I will say something. If I'm thinking about a quintessential retro jersey. It's just – I think it's that light blue color. I get the same exact nostalgic feeling when I see like a Minnesota North Stars jersey, something like that. Maybe it's just that green. It just screams retro to me. Well, they use – well, they, they don't use exactly the same colors. They – you know, a little bit deeper green that they use now. But I always love this jersey. And anybody who – they – and, of course, they had the white shoes. I mean, that's what made them cool. You look at the Astros, old the Astros uniforms where they used to have the star and the orange and, you know – the black and the yellow. I mean, they were, jerseys were great back then. They I will say all these they jerseys were all have, They were all pullovers, not button-ups. Yeah, and all these jerseys have nothing on the Islanders' retro jersey for this season, grumpy old man. Actually, all of these jerseys are better than the Islanders' retro jersey. I was, I was being facetious, of course. We do also have a comment here from uh, Ken. He says, open your wallet, grumpy, and help Lou sign Barzal. Hey, I tell you what. He's going to get signed. Don't even worry about it. You don't need to worry about that. I don't need to. I don't need to crack open the wallet, let the moth fly out. He's going to get him signed. It's not like he's done anything else but trade away Devontae's, you know, because he screwed up the salary cap. But hit that bingo card. Um, oh gosh. You know, but he he will be signed. There's no way he's not going to be. Here's the thing. I don't think he can afford not to sign him, and he will be signed. I they'll still think there were some things going on that are holding us up in regards to that. 
Uh, they're going to wait right till the end uh, before they sign him. And you never know. Maybe they can make something work to bring in uh, Mike Hoffman, especially if they plan on putting Andrew Ladd on long-term injury as well. I was about to say, right, I did see an article about that, and uh, I think it was Isle on Isles talking about, you know, Christmas list item, obviously, if Mike Hoffman, what the Islanders would have to do in order to go ahead and bring in, uh, you know, Mike Hoffman and what maybe he would cost Grumpy Old Man. So they have a chance to kind of glance over that. <laughs> well, you know, the longer it goes, uh, you know, some guys are signing now as it's getting closer. I mean, right, Tampa was even in worse cap shape than we are, right? And what happened? Kucherov is going to be out for the year. Uh and so he, they put him on long-term injury, and that's gotten them out of their cap issues. It just has, and you know, but they're going to get Stamkos back. So even though you're, gonna, I mean, I think that at this stage, Kucherov is a better player than Stamkos. It means that they didn't have to lose Sergachev or Sorelli or any of those guys. They didn't have to lose lose them because he went on long-term injury. So it gets their cap situation pushed off till next year. Exactly, grumpy old man. Um, obviously, you hate to see that for any player, and especially the way Kucherov has been playing over the last few seasons. Um, hate to see that he's going to have that hip surgery. You wonder what type of long-term effects that might have on him. Maybe it's not going to show immediately, but I mean, you know, later on towards you know the end of his career, you have to figure those type of hip surgeries. Eh? Unless everything goes perfectly, those could really be a problem later on. Well, even though they were different type players, I remember Ryan Kessler who used to play for Vancouver and Anaheim, he had that that hip surgery. And I don't think he was ever the same player when he came back. That's that's a tough one to come back from. Uh, like I said, different style of play, though. Uh, Kessler, much more aggressive and physical in nature as opposed to Kucherov. So maybe it won't. But, I, you know, I'll be interested to see how his skating is affected because Kucherov is a fantastic skater. Well, I was also about to say this too, Grumpy. As you mentioned, Kessler is a completely different playing style than Kucherov. That's for that's for certain. I mean, again, Kessler was a guy who was blood and guts. You hated to play against him. Loved to have him on your team, though. I absolutely loved him as a player. I was hoping. I, matter of fact, I think when we started this podcast, oh, so many years ago, he was a guy I wanted on the team. I said, man, I'd go after him in a second. Uh, <laughs> just for yeah. what he brought. Just just for the intangibles that he brought. This is pre. Lamarillo and Trotz and the Geezer gang that we have playing for us now. So we need guys like that. This was this was during the Doug Waite time period, Grumpy. We've had this podcast, now that you bring it back, we've had this podcast for a little over three years, Grumpy, old man. Yeah. Plugging away, plugging away, Grumpy. We I do have a comment. I don't think I've been wrong on one prediction yet. <laughs> oh, you're going to have me, you know, peeling over in the seat laughing over here, grumpy old man. We have a comment here from Scott saying, with training camp opening in early January, do you see any one of the prospects having a breakout camp and making it tough for Lou and Barry to cut or move down there to Bridgeport? Um, grumpy, I'll let you go ahead and take a crack at this first. I know yeah. your answer, so that's why I'll let you take a crack at it first. I don't – I'll be interested. Remember, they have the taxi squad. So I don't – think the AHL is anything ironed out yet uh, for their return. Uh, so I'm just, uh, for me, are we going to put young guys on the taxi squad so they get their feet wet? Or are we going to wait till the AHL season? Uh, optimally, if a young guy is going to make the team, I think it's probably going to be Wallstrom. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that they've kind of lost faith in Bellows for some reason. I don't know. I'm not but, sure they ever really had the faith that maybe other other members of the Islanders community did um, in Bellows, right? I always think Wallstrom has been the guy that they were always leaning a little bit more heavily towards. And 
I try not to take too much into account what beat writers say. You know, in the past, beat writers, sure, they used to, you know, have a direct tap to, you know, general manager, head coach, you name it. Now with Lamarillo and company, not so much. But I mean, you know, every single prediction staple has Wallstrom in some capacity there with the Islanders and that organization. So, and not down there at Bridgeport. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the taxi quad, taxi quad. Yeah. Just, I I tore my taxi quad. Um, (laughs) The taxi squad makes things a little bit more difficult to to predict. Um, If it was a regular season, I don't think that Wallstrom had any shot of being up with the big team because they've never, since Lamarillo and Trotz have been here, they've never picked a young guy to start up with the team when they had a veteran who maybe wasn't as good, but a veteran who could play that spot. And you're looking at what? You're looking at a bottom six guy, right? So does Walston really fit that criteria? I don't think so. I think Bellows is actually more of a fit perhaps with Pajot, I think that Wallstrom is more of a top six type of player. Yeah, and I was about to say, right, when you look at Bellows, he does play away from the puck again. Not not excellent, not superb, but that's the biggest knock on Oliver Wallstrom. And that's the only thing. If he does not make the Islanders roster, that is the only thing I think is going to hold him back. It's just the fact that they, they don't think he plays well enough away from the puck. And I, I will say one thing about Wallstrom. You know, he, he was scoring uh, – like gangbusters when he was loaned out to that Swedish team. Then he got hurt, and he came right back, and he started scoring again. And to me, okay, that's a guy that I'm willing to take a shot on. Honestly, I mean, we we don't score. I mean, he doesn't have a conscience. He gets that puck, and I think he'd be perfect on power play. Uh, You know, he doesn't have a conscience out there. he never seen a puck. He didn't want to shoot. And then I do the same comparison with Holmstrom, who didn't score at all. Uh, you know, maybe I think he played all those Swedish games, and I think he had a couple goals and assists. Honestly, so you know, is that a guy that you'd look? I wouldn't look for him. Uh, Bellows, you wonder, and you're right. You know, you hear some of the other Islander pundits talking about Bellows, and they keep on bringing up the substance abuse issue. You know, like the steroids thing. I could care less. I I don't care. I mean, that should not affect. That should not affect how the team thinks about him. I will I will say this, Grumpy. Again, I haven't read anything that people are complaining about the substance abuse policy or anything. I'll be 100% honest. Again, football is a completely different sport than hockey, but I can't tell you the handfuls of football players, college, professionally, that would use illegal supplements in the offseason to make sure they got prepared and then detox beforehand. Just helps them get more powerful, helps them build up a little extra strength there for the season. Um, so, again, it trust me – He's not the only person that does anything like that. Obviously, that he gets caught, it looks bad on us because you don't obviously see uh, hockey players getting caught for that all that often. But across multiple sports in the offseason, you'll see a lot of players do that. Yeah, I, and I don't care. I, I honestly, I don't care. I mean, they're choosing. And the whole thing from the perspective of the player, if you see one guy doing it and you're seeing him get ahead, uh, where you feel that you're better or maybe you have been better than him in the past and you see somebody start taking something and you see them becoming a better player and getting elevated over you, I can see why a player would do that. And again, I'm not advocating for, you know, yeah. performance enhancing drugs in any capacity, but, you know, just being realistic about it, you know, players do use it. I never did, but players do use it. You know, the players who do, 
Um, and it's not like it's a mystery, you know, if they do get caught and you're always like when one gets caught, it always makes, you know, the other people who are doing something like that worry a little bit about, you know, their situation as well. Like, oh, you know, I got to worry. Maybe I'm getting drug tested here soon as well. So, I mean, they were always pretty hush hush about who they drug tested because they obviously want to try to catch anybody who was doing that though, Grom. Yeah. And I think with the Bellow situation, that was when they weren't quite sure what was happening with the season coming back. Perhaps he was done in the AHL. He didn't see any shot of him playing up with a big team, and he was in his off-season training regime. Uh, and then, you know, the season resumes. They bring him up to look at him, and, you know, he gets popped. And like I said, I could care less. If you want to do that to your body, that's your choice. Well, Grumpy, we'll leave and it at I'm sorry. There's one other player who I'd like to see get a chance. Honestly, I don't think he will. But Josh Hosang, I'd love to see him get a shot, certainly on the taxi squad, to let him be up with the big team. And then, you know, whatever issues you have with him, he maybe he would learn. You know, that's another bone of contention I have with this regime, uh, as we've discussed before. But if you feel that he's not professional enough, Maybe having him up there with the big team practicing and being on that taxi squad uh, maybe would help him uh, in your in the, the uh, Lamarillo and Trotz's eyes to maybe be a little bit more mature because he certainly has something that we lack, which is creativity on the offensive end. Well, I always put it like this. I think Hosang, bare minimum, I think he wants to shoot for taxi squad. I, you know, I, I feel like at this point I'm, I'm done talking about Josh Hosang, man. It's it's been so long. I'm just ready to see. <laughs> I'm ready to see if he does anything. Um, but we'll, you, we'll, you don't you don't want to risk losing guys on waivers for being on the taxi squad. Um, and I mean, so who? What guys are you going to put in the minors, right? Well, I'll be honest, as, yeah, I was about to say, Grumpy. I mean, Josh Hosang. We don't really have to worry about. You know, anybody picking him up off of waivers because we've done that before and nobody picked him up. So I'm not too worried about that now. Right. I'm just saying maybe for veteran contracts, if you bury a Hickey or a Komarov or a Johnston, you put them in the minors, uh, they have to go through waivers. Mm -hmm. So you have to be kind of careful about that if you want to bring up a bunch of young guys. But me, myself, I would – uh, I would love to see the younger guys be on that taxi squad, particularly if we don't know when the AHL is going to be starting up again. Um, so I, I would love to see those guys get a shot. I think I know we have a whole bunch of comments here, Grumpy, which we're going to be getting to. Uh, but I think this one's also relevant to the point we just made. Brish says also for Lou not to even punish Bellows for what he did in the AHL for handling. Lou must have gave Bellows, you know, get on a free jail card perhaps. Um, so maybe it's not as big as a deal as hockey sources are making it. Uh, Brandon Gaines, also another longtime listener, says Lou did punish Bellows by bringing him into the bubble or not bringing him into the bubble. I thought that was an actual punishment, grumpy old man, by the league. The league sent down that punishment that he was not allowed to participate. So they had to exclude him there from the bubble. So I think that had something also to do with it. Um, my, my memory's hazy, grumpy old man, on that particular nuance. Um, but again, I. It's it's a non-issue really for me, at least yeah. like the performance enhancing thing. So yeah, I don't care. It's it's never bothered me at all. So uh, yes, grumpy old man. Well, we do have a few comments I wanted to get to. Also, talking about the retro A's jersey, grumpy old man. Two minutes of pessimistic. He says the retro uh, retro used colors. They avoided black. They took their chances for me, and it paid off. And to me, it paid off. What you know? What I tell you? What Mrs. Pessimistic. 
said something very nice about the dumpy old man. And I like her better than two minutes to pessimistic. And I feel bad for her because she's probably uh, serving a five major five minute major pessimistic just being by with two minute pessimistic. Grumpy, you botched the joke, but I'll give you credit for the effort. All right, thank you. <laughs> I actually had, I didn't even think about the joke until I started saying it. <laughs> Paul also says Grumpy's couch screams retro. Uh. No, see, I got the little rocking thing going. Well, I would argue that almost seems a little retro there, Grumpy. What can I tell you? You know what? When you get to be somebody of the, the grumpy old man stature, you can just do stuff like this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we do. We do all have a comment here from Brandon. I think it's interesting one. He says, here's my take. It's a long one, grumpy old man, but I'll read it. Uh, Over the past two weeks, we've seen long-term injury announcements regarding Lundqvist and Kucherov. What if the Islanders are waiting for Ladd? who has two metal knees. Okay. Yeah, he definitely did have those two knee surgeries and or an unpopular one, Cal Clutterbuck, who's messed up his back and can't feel two fingers to pass or fail their physicals too uh, before the following deals, most likely uh, on the table to be public and offer to determine the outlook of their proposed NHL and AHL roster. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point of view, right? Grumpy, because if you're thinking about it, if they're, if if this if this is you know this hypothetical situation where maybe they are going to go ahead and place like an Andrew Ladd, I I don't think I think Kyle Clutterbuck's at least got another year in the tank. Again, I'm not too privy on the you know the fingers not having feeling there, um, but I will say if if they were going to place Andrew Ladd on long term injury, that certainly would impact what their taxi squad looks like, Grumpy. Yeah, and it means you could bring someone else in. Honestly, I mean you know. There's so many rumors out there on the contract that they're going to offer Barzal. Um, you know, I didn't like the bridge deal for Pulak only because it brings him right to unrestricted. He's an unrestricted free agent two years. So, but you know, maybe they have a good enough relationship with him that they can revisit that in a year and say, hey, let's get you a long term deal. Uh, but remember, the closer you are to the cap and spending that money, the more you can go over. So if you're looking at, you know, Johnny Boychuk, and Andrew Ladd, and you bring these other guys in. Uh, if you can get right to that, let's say eighty million dollar limit, you can use a, you can go over by like eleven million dollars to sign somebody else. So you know that's the way that's the way I'd like to see them do that. I'd like to see him give Hoffman a shot, perhaps. Uh, you know, but then you run into the issue: where's Mike Hoffman going to play? Right? Is he going to be on the third line because he's not a third line player? I mean, are you going to? drop Anders Lee down to the second line if Hoffman comes in and then slide Andrew Bailey, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, John Bailey down to the third line, which I think he, that would be a pretty good line, honestly. You know, are you going to sign Broussard back? Um, you know, there's just so many things. I just wish we'd been a little bit more proactive in the offseason because you know what, you know what this, what the physical stature of these guys, and you know it. I mean, and you could just put them on long injury, long-term injury. I just would, we would, wish we would be a little bit more proactive in bringing a goal scorer this offseason, that's all. Well, Grump, I'll put it like it's an odd situation, right, Grumpy old man? Nobody really knows what's going to happen with the season. Um, Brish also does say AHL supposedly is starting up there on February the 5th. Okay. I was about to say. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to doubt it. I, I haven't been following closely. Up. I know they haven't started yet. I know they haven't started training camp. So, you know, if they start on the fifth, that's great. Uh, it's I just – I don't know – still don't know how they plan on doing call-ups. 
you know, is it going to be a two-week period, you know, before you can bring guys up? I still think all that's kind of up in the air so far. So that's why I think you want to put guys who have a realistic shot of playing on your team. I'd love to see those players uh, be on your taxi squad. In the same on the same on the same token, uh, if they don't, you really don't look at them as players on this year's squad. Leave them down to the AHL. I get. We talked about it, right? It it's more important you actually get playing experience, especially for the younger players, so they get that real life experience there out there on the ice. That's obviously more important than practicing there, you know, with the Islanders. Uh, we do have a comment here from John saying, "With the crazy schedule in 2021, can the Islanders win the East?" Grumpy old man. I didn't even have a chance to finish a statement, and you're already shaking your head. No, tell me what you're thinking here, Grumpy. No, I think I think we're going to struggle to make the playoffs. Uh, that said, that said, all the youngins out there, all you know, the people who are under fifty who listen to this podcast, you're going to see what hockey used to be like when you used to have play teams in your division seven, eight times. You're gonna, it's going to be a playoff game every single night. Is going to be a playoff game because you're only going to be playing teams in your division. Yep, and Grumpy Old Man, that's the one I want to go ahead and bring this up here. Bring it up. Uh, Grumpy Old Man, we have the outlook of the divisions, and we've talked about it before in the past. But in this particular situation, Grumpy Old Man, the Islanders are going to be playing the teams in the East eight times apiece. So they're going to be playing the Boston Bruins eight times, the Buffalo Sabres eight times, the New Jersey Devils eight times, the, the Rangers eight times, the Flyers eight times, the Penguins eight times, and then the Capitals eight times. Absolutely. And – only four teams from each division make the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was looking, right? If, if I'm looking, we're trying to take an unbiased opinion there towards it, right? We can pretty much lock away that the Boston Bruins will be making it to the playoff situation definitely this season. Um, I would say the Washington Capitals pretty much lock as well. And I'm going to uh, say I, I agree with you. Not to, jump, not to jump on you there, TJ. I think Peter Laviolette, uh, as the coach, makes Washington – a shoe-in for one of those playoff spots. I just think he's a way better coach than Todd Reardon was. I was about to say, I was never really impressed with Todd Reardon, either grumpy old man. Again, I'm not sure how much Laviolette's going to help out. I think it is, though, a plus, grumpy old man. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? They're going to have Gensel back for the full season. I'm always kind of iffy on the Penguins. I'm just ready for you know to see when they kind of start to fall off, grumpy old man. Right? You know their star players are starting to get a little up there in age. I'm ready to see how that's going to impact them. If it does this season, maybe it's going to be a few few years from now. I'm not exactly sure, grumpy old man. They're always a team that I put on the bubble. I think the Islanders, grumpy old man. I feel more confident than you do. I think they are in a prime position to make the playoffs. I really do. I think we've improved at net. From this offseason, I think maybe we took a, a little step back for the beginning portion of the season on the defensive side of the puck. I think maybe towards the end, maybe Noah Dobson will be sort of similar there to, you know, Devon Taves production on the defensive as well as the offensive side of the puck. And when it comes there to the offensive side of the puck, grumpy old man, I don't think we took a step back in that category. Yeah, I'm going to say we're going to fall between three and six. Uh, I think that. Philadelphia, as much as I despise them, and I do, I hate them. Uh, Carter Hart makes them infinitely better. Uh, I thought we saw last year where they were really hot uh, going up to playoffs, and he was really good in goal. And that's the one thing the Flyers, they struggle on defense and in goal. Now they have the goalie. 
and he's young. I mean, he's only like 21 or 22, um, and I, I think that really helps them. I think the Rangers are going to be better. Uh, I, that's what I was about to say, Greg Grumpy. If I'm thinking about teams I'm worried about, the Flyers, I, I think the Islanders play – I think the Islanders match up pretty well against the Flyers. I really do. I know Carter Hart's continuing to grow into that role. I think they're the Rangers. As much as we hate the Rangers, as much as us Islanders fans hate the Rangers, I think that's a team they're going to continue to take steps forward this season. I really do. Uh, with Shesterkin and yeah. that, I'll be interested to see how he does now that he's been dubbed you know, the starter, the guy, how he continues to carry the load. I think he will. Uh, but it's going to be interesting and kind of fun to watch that rivalry between Sorokin and Shesterkin this season. Well, well, we play the Islanders, uh, the Rangers the first two nights of the year. Yes. So, I mean – fans are in for a treat. Okay. It's great. You know, okay. We get to play Connor McDavid, this, you know, this, and we get to see, you know, uh, you know, John Tavares from Toronto. You're going to learn to hate every team in the East. Absolutely hate them. And by the end of the year, all I can help is that it really stokes up those rivalries because like I said, it's a player. Every single game that you play has playoff implications. I'm not saying that they did in the past, but Every two points that a team gets against you, that's like a four-point swing right there. And that's it is going to be so exciting, and I think we're going to see a lot more physicality. At least I hope we are. I'd love to see a bunch of battle royales out there, a lot of brawls. What do they say? Familiarity breeds contempt, and I think we're going to see that. And I want to see back to the blood and guts days of uh, you know Islanders, Rangers, Islanders, Philadelphia Flyers. Islanders, Penguins. I mean, I want to see that stuff. Islanders and the Big Bad Bruins. I, I think I think you're going to have so much. Fun. Everyone's going to have so much fun watching. I I'm looking at the other divisions and saying, man, oh man, there are going to be some battles in those conference in those divisions too. It's going yeah. to be. Great. And here's one thing: Toronto will make the playoffs. Uh, and grumpy before 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 we jump too much all over the place i did want to talk a little bit more about the east i know you got excited i know we're talking about these robberies and i think it is i think you're right to your point i think we are going to see a lot more vigor back into the game of hockey hopefully a lot more you know uh hatred towards other fan bases you know friendly hatred that's always good i think it's always playful it's playful banter um but when we talk about the east i think I, i don't think the buffalo sabers really are a threat um, as of right now, neither really are the New Jersey Devils. But, you know, you wonder if the Rangers are going to be able to continue to, to to build off of what they put together towards the end of last season, uh, as well there as the Flyers, right? The Flyers put together a really, really good run there towards the end of the season. You know, on the opposite side, the Islanders had a great start to the season and kind of tailed off there towards the end. Kind of, you know, I think we will have, again, hopefully another hot start. Barry Trotz teams usually are very, very disciplined very defensively oriented and it's going to be interesting to see how that does play out grumpy old man. I don't, I don't think we're really at a risk for not making the playoffs. If you had to tell me or I had to bet on the Islanders either making or not making the playoffs this season, I would bet on them definitely making the playoffs grumpy. Okay. I'm just saying that only four teams from each division make it. Yeah. And that's, that's the caveat, right? Previously, uh, you could as many as five teams could make it from each division would certainly help the Islanders out, but with there just being four, and I just think moving Boston into this division, that's two automatic spots gone. All right, we lost Carolina, okay, but in you know in the big scheme of things, Boston's better than Carolina. Well, you said two automatic spots gone. Are you talking about Boston being added and then Washington Capitals, grumpy old man? 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I assume those those are two automatic spots, and I think Pittsburgh's going to make it, and I think it's going to be a scramble uh, for that final playoff spot. But remember, in the olden days, it, you just have guaranteed three from each division, and then the other two wild cards were the best two in each conference. So, and I, I actually lost that this year. Yes, Grumpy, we have. Um, and again, we essentially traded out, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Columbus Blue Jackets there for the Boston Bruins and the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Boston, obviously, a top five team, uh, arguably top five team in the NHL. Uh, very, very good, despite, you know, how they did sputter a little bit there in the playoffs this last season. They're definitely a team that is is going to make it for certain, Grumpy old man. But we kind of look at it. Let's let's go and shift our attention a little bit here to the North Grumpy Old Man. I think you're right. There's no doubt in my mind that the Toronto Maple Leafs make the playoffs. I mean, just look at look at the look at the sorry division they're in, Grumpy. I yeah. know you know Vancouver's up and coming. I expect them to also make it. Winnipeg, but I mean Ottawa, yikes. Edmonton still doesn't have things sorted. You know, on the defensive side of the puck, Calgary. Calgary is moving. I mean, you think about it in the North Division, you're going to have more teams make the playoffs than don't make the playoffs. Canada is going to be in their glory this year, watching Canadian teams going against each other every night. I mean, hockey night in Canada is going to be fantastic to watch every week. Uh, it's it's going to be great. I think Toronto is probably the best team uh, in that division. Calgary's pretty good. Edmonton still has defensive issues. You think, hold on, Grump. Grump, I got to ask you. You think Toronto edges out the Calgary Flames? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be close. Okay. I think it's those two teams. Edmonton has potential also, but they still have defensive issues. Until they get those sorted out, they're going to have problems. The same with Winnipeg. But you're going to see a lot of scoring in that division. Absolutely. And- I'll tell you, the Battle of Alberta will be fierce, and it will be physical this year. That's for certain, Grumpy. I'll tell you, those Calgary and Edmonton games are going to be physical, and they're going to be fierce. When I look at the Edmonton Oilers, Grumpy old man, I try to take this with a grain of salt because I cannot tell you how many years I've just been thinking to myself, oh, this is the year. This is the year they finally are able to kind of go ahead and sort things out on the defensive side of the puck. You know, their offense is going to carry them, and mostly I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> with their performance. So I'm not jumping on the Edmonton Oilers train as, you know, being a solid. They're going to make it there in the playoffs. But with the, with the way that roster is constituted, it's tough for them to be defense only. It just is. You have too many skilled players on that team who play, you know, high-octane offense. Uh, I don't think they have the right mix on the back end. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But when you play that style where you're all in scoring on time, you're going to give up chances. I mean, we saw that with the Islanders in Doug Waits' you know, year here. I mean, we were, we were losing games 6-5, to five, but I'm going to tell you what, we were fun to watch. And you can say the same thing about Edmonton. I mean, they got the best player in the game on their team. Yeah, yeah, grew up old man. Right? Two of the top five players in the game on their team. Yeah. Yeah, grew up I mean, again, Leon Settle is he's – you're not going to see too many people arguing that he's not, you know, top-tier elite caliber player, world-class, certain grumpy. When you look at the West and kind of change your direction there, that is a division where I think 
the top are very, very good. You know, the top class, you know, the top tier talent in that in that division are very, very tough. And the bottom tier are really, really bad. And I mean, I, I guess at first look, when you think about it, oh, you know, any type of division that's got Anaheim and Los Angeles Kings in it, uh, we're not too worried about. And even the San Jose Sharks, I mean, they fell off the face of the earth last season. But again, you've got the St. Louis Blues. Last year was a little bit of an underwhelming performance in their point of view, I'm sure, after winning the Cup two years ago. The Vegas Golden Knights, again, they are very, very competitive, great team. The Colorado Avalanche, another team up there. I mean, those three teams alone are are three top – you know, I mean, they're, they're three top teams in the NHL, grumpy old man. And don't rule out Arizona, right? Really, really young, kind of like the Rangers of the West, if you want to think about it. The Rangers are extremely young also in our division. Uh but, I mean, I think those are going to probably be your four teams. Anything can happen. But I think Colorado is the class of that uh, division, followed by Vegas and St. Louis. And then, you know, Arizona and Minnesota. You know, I don't think much of Minnesota. Probably Arizona is going to be the fourth spot there. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. And like I said, the one thing we can't underestimate is the physicality in each of these divisions, since you're, you know, you're playing each other every night, there's going to, I think games are going to be more physical and who can stay healthy. I think that's really, really key. Oh, oh, for certain grumpy old man. And we kind of shift focus a little bit here to the central. This is a division where I'm thinking to myself, man, the central is, is I, besides obviously the, the Tampa Bay lightning, that's, that's a division where you're thinking to yourself, if you're a team, even like a middle of the road team, like a Florida Panthers or Columbus Blue Jackets, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? There's a very high likelihood that I could still make the playoffs because you look at that central division. I know everybody loves the Carolina Hurricanes. They're like the sweetheart and all these power rankings. They always put the Carolina Hurricanes in the top 10. I don't see it personally. Um, you know, I think they probably will make the playoffs in some capacity, but the Chicago Blackhawks, Let's be honest. They're not ready yet. They're not ready yet. Uh, I think Carolina will make the playoffs if they had a goalie. uh, I think they would be really good. But you got to look at the top two teams, right? It's got to be Tampa Bay and Dallas, right? The two Stanley Cup teams from last year. Uh, That has to be your two favorites. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? I mean, Florida, are they good enough defensively? No. Detroit is still bad. Uh, You You wonder if. You wonder, grumpy old man, you wonder if Nashville's window kind of closed. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid to. Yeah, so again, I, I think the East, top to bottom, is a really, really competitive a really competitive division. I really do, grumpy old man. I think no matter what division you're in, you're going to see that contempt and hatred be, you know, just uh, revitalized for these teams that you're going to be playing, you know, eight times a year as of right now. I'm definitely looking forward to a grumpy old man. Right. I mean, think about it. If you're playing each team eight times as opposed to just four max for your division, which is what it's been previously, it's going to be great. And you're going to see a lot of games back to back, which also breeds a little nastiness to those series, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely grumpy old man. But yeah, we'll go ahead and remove this. I just did want to go ahead and talk a little bit and have a little bit of a visual aid, grumpy old man. I don't know if you okay. noticed the first time we had a little bit of the sharing of the screen, a visual aid here for us, grumpy old man. Well, TJ does all those things. You know, actually, I think the more that my face is on the screen, it's better for this live stream. But you know, I'm going to go with whatever you say. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man! I'll tell you, the sense of humor, grumpy old man. It, it, <laughs> it never, it never ceases to amaze me, grumpy. Uh, you, 
We do have a question here from Scott. Now, these are a whole bunch of comments, Grumpy. I didn't really go ahead and add too many of them when we were kind of going and, and talking about the different divisions. Scott here says, what would you guys think the biggest stories uh, story for the Islanders was in 2020? I think it was Lou getting Sorokin over to North America and signing him to an extension. Grumpy old man, I'll let you take a crack at this first. Yeah, I would think getting to the Eastern Conference Finals was the biggest story for the Islanders. Um, if we're talking about offseason – I think it's two, certainly bringing Sorokin in. Uh, remember, it's not really an extension. They paid him. He uh, had his first entry year, entry contract level year was last year, even though they didn't really have to pay him anything because it was at the end of the year. And he's only under contract for this year. And then they have to get another contract. And so he'll be a restricted free agent, but he needs. they need to resign him starting next offseason. Well, okay. I think again, he still they still got him here. I know that the verbiage technically was an extension, uh, but grumpy old. Man, I guess it was right because if last year was the entry level contract, I guess technically right. it was an extension. Uh, yeah, but grumpy old man. I think that was a huge story. But you're right. I think making Eastern Conference final. What was it, the first time in 28 years or 27 years, grumpy? I can't remember. It was 27 years, right? First time in forever. That's all. I, I think, think it was. I think it's the first time since 1993 we made the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that definitely has to be the okay. story of 2020 for yeah. the Islanders, Grumpy Old Man. That makes sense. And the that success and the success that we had in the bubble, and you know, just the team unity that this 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 team and this organization has. I mean, the Islanders are a close knit group of guys. I don't think there's if if I had to pick a, a group of guys, that I think is probably the closest knit out of anybody in NHL. I think the Islanders probably have the closest group of guys and players. And Barry Trotz got the absolute maximum that he could out of this team. I don't think anyone could say that we underachieved or I might even say that we overachieved a little bit because you look at some of the teams that we beat in the playoffs, they're more talented than us. But we are the absolute uh, epitome of the word uh, team. I was about to say, we're the, we're the quintessential example, grumpy old man, of the sum is greater than the parts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we got a comment here as well there from two minutes of pessimistic here. It says, Hoffman showed me in the playoffs he's the guy we need. What about the locker room issues with him? It was mostly a thing with his wife um, that, that was the problem. He was having It was his wife and Carlson's wife uh, when they were in Ottawa. I don't think it was the players. I think it was the wives. I mean, he still has the same wife. Uh, but, you know. He's just, he is something we need. We need someone who can put the puck in the net. And until we get that extra piece, I just don't – that's that's the thing that worries me about making the playoffs. Are we going to score enough? Um, and we're going to have a lot of back-to-backs, right? I mean, how many times do we play four games a week? I mean, I want to say – I think it's 17 weeks. And I think that we play like four games a week, I want to say – eight times, eight or nine times. I mean, that's a lot. And you're going to see we're an older team and what's going to happen when injuries come. Well, hopefully when injuries do come, Grumpy Old Man, we're going to see a lot more of those younger players getting their chances, Grumpy. I will say this much about Hoffman. If you do have guys who who do have locker room issues, I can tell you one thing. There's no better team or organization to have him on than the Islanders organization because there's something about that when you have so much camaraderie with a team, grumpy old man, and you're all the cohesiveness and the togetherness and the family feeling, it can overcome any type of issues, locker room on or off the ice. Because once they get, I guess you could say, um, ingratiated with the team, I mean, that 
there's no going back. And you know, the thing is, as long as he's accepted as part of the family, you don't really have to worry about those locker room issues anymore. You know, fingers crossed, obviously. But I think, you know, when you have a good a good locker room and you have, you know, a good solid team, I think it kind of overcome a little bit of a locker room issue that, you know, that Mike Hoffman carries. Yeah. I, again, I'm not going to say it's Mike Hoffman. I think it's his wife. I mean, I you know, maybe Mike says, I mean, because he didn't have any problems in Florida. I didn't hear any any problems with him in Florida. It was everything that happened in Ottawa. And, you know, it is – I don't think she wanted to be in Ottawa, um, you know, for whatever reason. And But he didn't have problems in Florida. So I don't think – I definitely don't think he'd have problems on this team. Uh, like I said, it is a close-knit group. I don't think it has any bearing whatsoever. And we also have a comment here from Scott talking specifically about Hoffman says – Hoffman will likely want more than one year deal. So people are thinking get him on a one year deal, keep dreaming. I think I think ideal scenario for Hoffman is he probably wants to sign a two year deal. He wants to get some sort of certainty for the, for the future. Uh, but in the same token, right? He wants to be a free agent when the cap does start to open up again and some of these teams do have their cap situation under wraps. A lot of these players who are signing, you know, or that were free agents and you know, we're looking for a deal to kind of tide them over until the cap starts opening back up. We're signing two-year deals. I think optimally he probably wants to sign a two-year deal as well so he can try to maximize his earning potential here throughout you know, the remainder of his career, which is kind of you know coming towards the end. The problem that he's going to have and a lot of older free agents are going to have is the fact that they're in their 30s and teams are not going to want to give them term. The closer it gets to the regular season, why would you give Mike Hoffman – a three or four year deal at his age with the current financial climate. Oh, I was about to say, they're not going to, I think he's probably going to get more of a two year deal grumpy. And he, well, he might want that, but that doesn't mean he's going to get it. And like I said, the closer you go where all these teams are kind of set, the less money you get. I was about to say, the more the closer you get to the actual start of the season, the more the player has to be willing to compromise and the team has to be willing to compromise. If you catch my drift grumpy. Right. Who was the, the biggest free agent name out there this year? Taylor Hall. And how he signed a one year deal. Because the money's just not there. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to I'd love to see the Islanders get it, take a flyer. I'd even I'd be willing to give him a two year deal. I mean, so what? You just don't have to protect him in the offseason. I mean, you know, you don't know how he's gonna work out, where he's gonna be. Like I said, when I think you went out for a second there, TJ, earlier. Um, but you know, it, how do we rearrange the lines? I mean, Mike Hoffman certainly is not a third-line player. Absolutely. No. Again, like you always wonder, you, you got the Swiss Army knife there and Josh Bailey, so you do wonder. But, again, it's there's there's a lot of different variabilities, Grumpy. There there are. There are. I, I'll be I mean, interested to see if we bring in a guy like Hoffman, though. We have so many guys locked up to long-term deals, it's tough to just bring guys on without being able to offload some of those other guys. I mean, we just have too many of those guys, too many Jags, as I like to call them, who make a lot of money for long term. I mean, it kind of it hurts you for bringing somebody in. I mean, they're not going to break up certain lines. It's like they're set. And I'm like, I don't believe in that ever. I mean, here's the thing. We're not good enough where we should have set lines on this team. <laughs> I think certain lines should be set. 
But again, you do see if we need to kind of jumble the lines up. I think that a lot of our players do have experience playing with other members of the organization. So it's not like, you know, as as much of a as a as a jolt of a wake up call because they do I think they have experience with other players. But Grump, we also do have a comment here from Islanders since seventy seven here on Twitter. He says, uh, we could still take a flyer and I'm gonna butcher this name and I always do. It's an right, Grumpy? I I, I butcher that name all the time. Anethisu. Okay, gotcha. He's still out there and wouldn't cost as much as Hoffman. Why not? I heard they were interested in him. I heard they were kicking the tires on on him as well. Again, he, I, he was a thirty goal scorer before last year when, uh, you know, he went to Edmonton, I believe, um, and and, and a shortened season as well. Right, and he his production fell off. Uh, you know, if you want to take if you could take a flyer on the guy like that for one year and see what happens. The whole thing is you can't pay him a whole lot. That's the whole thing. It's like you can't afford to pay him a whole lot. But, you know, as it gets closer and closer to the season, these guys are going to want to be signed somewhere. They're not going to want to be sitting on the sidelines. I mean, that's that's what happens. Who blinks first, a team or the player? It's always the player. Well, I was about to say, especially as you get closer like this. Let me, let me put it another way. It's not going to be our team that's going to blink. I'm going to guarantee you. You're not going to see Lou Lamarillo blink. <laughs> And honestly, that's good, right? When you have a guy who can negotiate and can make sure he gets stingy deals out. I've got no problem with that at all. Um, doesn't happen with all the players that we've signed, obviously. Uh, but Lou has, blunk, I guess, blinked before in the past, grumpy old man. Obviously, we weren't able to get Panarin. I think that's when we kind of saw that, all right, I'm in a, I'm in a compromised position type of, uh, type yeah, of reaction he, there. From him. Yeah, he didn't blink on that, though. He offered him the most money. Panarin just didn't want to come here. I mean, and more the reaction of – of getting Lee back and what we had to do for Lee. I thought that was a little bit of a blink because, I mean, obviously the amount of term. Oh, I totally forgot that we brought him back because of that. That's right. But now, <laughs> Lamarillo did say that he was he would have brought Lee back anyway, which I think he's lying. No. Um, but that was – man. That I, didn't, I didn't want to put a damper on your day, Grumpy. We just had right. Christmas two days ago, Grumpy. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to put a damper on your day and remind you. I mean, just think about how great a line of uh, Panarin and Barzal would be. Holy my gosh! And that's that's what we need. That's 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 what that's the type of player we need on this team. Well, Grumpy, we're not we're not dreaming right now. Two minutes of pessimism taking also says we're going to lose eight times to the Bruins. I'm not so sure not about true. that. Not Ball. true. Not true. <laughs> I bet we go two and six against the Bruins. <laughs> I'll be honest. If we if we get away with playing the Bruins and we end up with a 50-50 record against the Bruins, I will look at that as a more than successful um, more than successful. Uh, Exchange between us and the Bruins this season, Grumpy. We've played them pretty well the last couple of years. We really have. So I, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, previous to that, the Bruins just owned us. But the last couple of years, I thought we played under Barry Trotz. I think we played pretty well with them. We also have a comment here from Brandon Gaines. He says the Rangers are very weak in the middle, and their defense, not named Fox, is also very weak. Barring any injuries, no chance that Rangers go above us in the standings. Well, the whole thing is their defense is young. So if they're if their players take a jump, uh, that could solve that problem. I just I think that Rangers have done a really, really good job of turning over their roster in the last couple of years, considering where they were to where they are now. I think they've done a really good job. Their front office has been really good. 
I will say this much, Grumpy. I always do wonder with those teams who do kind of sneak into the playoffs, just the same way the Columbus Blue Jackets did, uh, the same way really the Rangers did this last season after they lost all those pieces. I mean, they obviously lost Lundqvist and they did the rebuild. So a little different with the Rangers than it is the Blue Jackets. But you always wonder if after they do kind of get to that point, if they kind of have a little bit of that sophomore slump, they kind of take a little bit of a step back, Grumpy. So that's something we can definitely watch for also. Well, the Rangers did not make the playoffs last year. So, oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. They were coming on hot like they were going to make the playoffs. Oh, well, like, technically, they made it toward the play in round and then didn't actually make the playoffs, right? Grumpy, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, unless you're in the final eight teams, you know, the playing rounds, the playing round, it doesn't mean anything, I don't think. Uh, didn't you didn't make the playoffs? Um, but that said, um, you know, the youth that they have on that team and the fact that they've turned around in two years is impressive to me, it really is. and like I said, if their defense grows up a little bit, uh, they're going to be a tougher out. They really are. Now, that said, uh, in your fantasy hockey leagues, I'm definitely picking Matt Barzal because he, he absolutely owns the Rangers, and that's a good – you're playing them eight times a year. That's good for your fantasy team. Matt Barzal and also Anthony Anthony Pavillier also has performed really well against the Rangers, if I do recall correctly as well. So both of those players obviously playing the Rangers eight times next season always puts a big smile on my face. Yeah, Pavillier is not a guy I'd normally pick up, but maybe, uh, you know, if you want to mix and match on a third night for him, he comes in, that's fine. Uh, but Matt Barzal certainly, his stock is going to go up. Got a comment here from John as well saying, as deep as the, as we went last season, it seems that Grumpy's writing us off very fast. Grumpy, I agree with him, right? We did go very deep. I think we're going to have a great start to the season, which is always important. And a buried shots team is not a team that really gets into skids and slides a lot. I, I will say he's been our head coach now for two seasons, and that slide that we had, the seven-game losing streak, that we had right before the postseason started and the bubble started last season was the longest losing streak we've had on the Barry Trotz. He's not really a guy where you have those extended losing streak time periods. He's pretty consistent. And again, when you do have that strong, strong defensive structure, you can always manage to find a win here or there. So you don't have to worry about those type of elongated losing streaks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the reason why I say that is the fact that we're playing, we're an older team and that we benefited last year from the stoppage. Absolutely. I don't think, here's the thing. I think without the stoppage, we don't make the playoffs. Uh, I really feel about, that's the way I feel. And Barry Trotz is very good coming out of the gate. You're going to see his teams play extremely well just from the system and the fact that we play defense first. Uh, and it's what we totally preach. I think that benefits us going into the season. I just worry about so many games in so few days uh, against teens, I just think the season is going to be more physical. And if we get some injuries, we're in trouble. That's I, well, I think it, it depends on who the injuries are too, right? Grumpy. Obviously I've always, I've, I've said this and I've always been a firm believer of it. If we have a few injuries to our top six forwards, yikes, we're in trouble. Um, but again, if we have injuries to our bottom six, that's, that's where I'll add in grumpy, right? The way the team and the organization is structured, it's next man up mentality. We have injuries there to the bottom six. I mean, Casey Zizekas obviously hurts, and so would John Gabriel Pajot. But any of those wings down there, I feel more than confident that we do have players who are ready to step up and can go ahead and fill those shoes, grumpy old man. So I think that, you know, obviously, knock on wood, grumpy old man, we want to be as healthy as possible. <laughs> but we do have a lot of depth. 
on the defensive side of the puck, and we have a lot of depth there in Bridgeport at the defensive side of the puck, and we've got a lot of depth there for bottom six guys. Obviously, if you were to lose a guy like Barzal or any type of top-tier guy, I think we struggle. Um, grumpy old man, obviously. If we lose Matt Barzal, we're not making the playoffs. You could also say if we lose Adam Pellick, we're not making the playoffs. It's true we are deep organizationally uh, on defense, but we saw last year what happened. We lost Alan Pe- uh, Adam Pellick. Our defense fell apart for the most part, and now you're elevating Letty, who I think at this stage of his career is a bottom-pairing guy. Now he's a second-pairing guy. I'm worried about him and Scott Mayfield together. I really am because both of them can tend to make some really bonehead plays where Devon Taves did a good job with his ability to clear the puck and his skating ability to bail out some of Mayfield's, you know, blind passes to the center of the ice, which he loves, he's prone to do. And Nick Letty, you know, he can be a tad lazy. I think the third pairing might, by the end of the year, be our second pairing, honestly, with Andy Green and Noah Dobson. I, I, that's, a, that's a pairing I want to see. I think our defense, if it remains healthy, I think – I think could have a chance to be better at the end of the season than we were last year at the end of the season. I think Johnny Boychuk when playing again, love Johnny absolute warrior, but it was quite obvious that he just didn't have it, just didn't have it left in the tank. And you can even tell that in the end, the, the towards the end of the regular season. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times you saw him get skated around. He looked like a turn stop. Again, the game passes everybody by at one point in time or the other. So I, I'm not sure Andy Green is a guy where he would be in a position like that. I think he's a little bit of better skater still than than Boychuk was there towards the end. Um, that being said, again, you're right. Adam Pellick is an unsung hero, one of the most important integral pieces of this Islanders team. If he goes out, I think you're right. That's a big, huge glue piece that the Islanders would miss. I think it, it <laughs> one thing we one thing we have to concern ourselves with. Well, also losing Devontae's, you don't have your quarterback on the power play. It's, it can't be Nicoletti. It cannot be Nicoletti. I mean, that when he's at the point for that power play, it's like it moves at a glacial pace. I mean, you just can't have it. I want to see no adoption on the power play. Absolutely. I know they're going to be – he won't be on the first power play – but he's going to have to be the quarterback on the second power play. When a kid, when the kid shoots a puck, it gets on net. So I mean, that's all I know. Uh, yeah, grumpy old man. I'm reading here a few comments. Uh, Bruce King also says here um, regarding Panarin that we mentioned a little earlier. It had a lot to do with Panarin's wife. She wanted to work in this city, not on Long Island. Um, that's just stupid. That's just well, stupid. well, here you go as well. There, Scott also chimes in saying, "Hey, also certain parts of New York City has a large Russian population, so you also figured that had to do something with him going there." Also, again, grumpy old man, right? When you're, I'll be honest, when you're highly when you're highly sought after, you, you kind of think to yourself, "All right, what type of things help my personal life better?" Maybe he feels confident there. The Rangers, I mean, hell, they've had quite a few early top five picks, and if they're able to cash in, I mean, that's a lot of offensive talent that he's going to be paired up with and teamed up with. So you never really know, grumpy old man. I think going forward, I am I'm stoked about the Belmont Arena, grumpy old man. I think that was an excuse that people had for a long time as to why the Islanders couldn't get a big-name guy, right? You play in two different arenas. You know, you play here. You practice here. You saw those excuses all over the place. Once Belmont Arena is there, I – the excuses for that are completely over. Okay. I have a question. Um, why does Panera's wife have to work 
makes eleven and a half million dollars a year. I mean, she I don't know what she does. Maybe, I don't maybe know what she's she a does. model. Maybe she wants to work. That's what I say. New York City. Maybe a modeling. I don't. A model. I don't know, Grumpy. I don't know what she does. Maybe she's an accountant. Maybe she's a lawyer. I don't know. We Grumpy. played half our games in Brooklyn last year. I mean, what does it matter? I mean, she can live. I mean, she could take an Uber somewhere. She could probably get a helicopter and take her somewhere she wants to go. I don't know. I just, I just think he wanted. He just wanted to play for the Rangers. I just didn't want to play for the Rangers. They're the big. They're the marquee New York team. Why? You know, that's just, those are just. That's just a fact. I'll say. You know, anytime you throw Madison Square Garden in there, it always has a certain rep. So. Yeah, and he's good. He's real good. I would have loved to have him on our team. Um, now Mike says here, Bodie or uh, Bodie Wild is coming, but he hasn't played hockey. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of hockey as of late, but he's coming. Now I, I think Bodie definitely needs at least and probably two in the A. I mean, he was, you know, last year he was a healthy scratch for a good portion of the season where they went ahead and decided to go ahead and send it back to the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. So I think you know you're going to see Bodie Wild down there in Bridgeport for at least a full season, probably two. He has no shot of making the team this year. No oh. shot. No shot being on the taxi squad. He's going to be in the A, absolutely. And I think this year definitely, and next year probably too. I'd love to see them transition the young guys in, but you got to remember, right? Mayfield, the the expansion draft is going to have a bearing on this too. If I was the Islanders, and we're protecting three defensemen, because I'm assuming that's what they're going to do now. To me, it's Mayfield, Pulak, and Pelk. I expose Letty. You don't have to uh, protect Dobson, and you don't have to protect guys like uh, you know Wild or any of those guys who are just too young. And then if you could transition some of the younger guys in, that's what I'd love to do. But well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know something, Grumpy. There's no way they're not going to protect Nick Letty. I know that's what you would do. I'm just saying, I, you know, Barry Trotz raves about Nick Letty all the time. They have no plans at all to ever trade Nick Letty. There's no way they're going to expose him. As much as this is what you'd like to have happen, I just don't think it's realistic. Well, it's just foolish. So you're you're gonna let somebody go or not protect someone who makes less than one and a half million dollars a year is on your second pairing and is two more years at that contract. I mean, I just think it's foolish where you have Letty who's making what five and a half million a year. Uh, it's just, it's just stupid. And he's in his thirties and he's, and he's finished. Well, uh, well, uh, I'm going to stop you. There's so many pieces to digest. I want to go back to a point we've made in the past, right? Josh Bailey is a guy that, you know, if not protected, he is an ideal player for any type of expansion team to pick. A guy who's on a very manageable contract, a guy who's a true professional, has a lot of experience. Obviously, I don't want to see Josh Bailey go, but that's a guy if you don't protect, I think that uh, the Seattle Kraken would be more than happy to go ahead and take. I mean, you're right. Bailey does everything, right? From penalty kill to power play, he's a Swiss Army knife. He's a guy that every single team, an expansion team, would love to have. So it all depends on who they protect or don't protect. I, you know, I would argue even if you don't protect a guy like Nick Letty or Scott Mayfield, if you leave a guy like Josh Bailey available, I think you know the Kraken might be more prone to pick a guy like Bailey. To be honest, well, it. I think you're going to see a lot of side deals. Yeah. Uh, where you because remember they have to they still the Kraken is going to have to hit a salary cap floor also, and teams are going to want to dump salary. So if they're smart, they can pick up some real good ca draft capital and put a guys maybe or have some bad contracts. I don't think Josh Bailey's contract is that bad. The term is too long. 
I don't, think his, I don't think his contract's bad at all, Grumpy Old Man. He's only getting paid $5 million a year. Yeah, but it's the term I'm talking about. Um, he's going to be what? Three years left? Yeah. He's and after, be, after this year, it's going to be two years, or is it two, or is it going to be no. three years after next year? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's got. He's going to be like 34 when it's up. You don't want a bunch of guys who are in their mid-30s taking up salary cap space. But you're going to probably have to give something up. I mean, I, here's the thing. If I was them, I'd take a 27-year-old Scott Mayfield who could play defense pairing over Josh Bailey. Now, if you're asking me if it's Letty or Bailey, then I have to think about it, right? I mean, you, but you're not – Mayfield's a no-brainer if he's exposed, an absolute no-brainer. I got greedy, Grumpy. You apologized to Josh Bailey today. I thought you were going to be more pro-Josh Bailey, but I, I overstepped my boundary. I did not rip him at all. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm just saying I think it's a no-brainer. I think it, I think Josh Bailey is an extremely talented player. I think that uh, – Oh, all right. He's not – you know, just because I said I apologize because he's he's better than Simon Holmstrom does not mean he's a real great player. I, I think he's talented, Grumpy, and I think he's a Swiss Army knife. He's exactly what every single expansion team would love to have. He can play on a power play, can play on the penalty kill, can play anywhere from the first to third line. He's a guy who's on a very manageable contract. He's got that veteran leadership that you want. I think he's he's one of those pieces that if you're building a if you're building a franchise and you got an expansion draft, he'd be one of those guys where you'd think, yes, absolutely. He'd get me closer to the cap floor and he actually brings value to the team. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let me let me put it like that. Maybe I, what did I say, Grumpy? Maybe he's not he's not extraordinary or anything like that. He's he's a he's a he's a Swiss Army knife though. He's a jag. He's a jag. He's a jag. He's the king of the secondary assist. That's what he is. Grumpy. All right, we do have one more comment here from Mike saying, "Is Hosang stealing a spot this year, Grumpy old man?" I'd love to see. I'd love to see him get a spot. I don't, I just don't think they want him on the team. I don't even know why they signed him. Why would you sign him? Maybe again, why would you just let him walk for no reason, right? You sign him for you sign him for the last year of his restricted free agency and, you know, if he does get any type of playing time, if he pans out with his taxi squad, maybe he's able to go ahead and build up some type of trade value. I think long term, I don't think they have any plans with Josh Hosang being a part of the Islanders organization. I just don't. I would, I would be shocked if they did have any type of plans for him. I would love to see him make the taxi squad. I really would because it maybe would potentially give him a shot, like I said earlier in the podcast, to kind of get what Trotz is talking about firsthand every day. And then if, you know, he's not good enough or he doesn't learn it or whatever, then you, you know, cut bait. But for me, he brings something to the table that we do not have with the exception of Matt Barzal. And I think it would benefit the team in the long run if you could get him to buy into whatever you say he doesn't do right. I mean, <laughs> Well, Grumpy, we are right about a little over an hour, Grumpy Old Man, almost about an hour and 15. We're kind of kind of wrap things up here, Grumpy Old Man. After today's live stream, we will be returning back to our Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live streams, Grumpy. Um, and again, as the season does approach and as the actual games do start happening, obviously we're going to try to mess around a little bit with our schedule just to make sure that we can kind of cater that around the outer games, of course, Grumpy Old Man. But is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up, Grumpy? No, I'm excited um, that the season is getting ready to ramp up here in the next couple of weeks. I'm super excited about that. I'm going to be super excited to watch Simon Holmstrom, you know, 
fulfill my prophecy of him being a bust every night in the World Juniors. Um, but I don't look forward to apologizing to Josh Bailey again. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I, I do want to wish everyone out there a happy New Year's. I hope you all had a great Christmas. I was about to say, had happy holidays, um, you know, yeah. no matter I, what you celebrate. And they're going to have, hopefully, a happy New Year's as well, Grumpy. And I know that we're not sending out a uh, a Thursday podcast since it's New Year's Eve. We might. We might, Grumpy. Yeah. We'll have to play around with it. We might. I know it's, it's going to be a, It's not going to be a live one, though. No, it won't be a live one. We might have a recorded one from the past that we've worked on, Grumpy. Um, but it won't be a live one just because I think it will be New Year's Eve or close to New Year's Eve. But Grumpy, old man. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thanks so much, guys, who do listen and participate in live stream. Again, Grumpy Old Man and myself love being able to speak there with the people who do listen to the podcast in the live stream and being able to interact with you guys. Um, I love it. I know Grumpy Old Man loves it. And the only reason we do this is because, again, the support we get from you guys. And we love the Islanders. Um, we've been doing this now. It's almost a little over three years now, Grumpy. I'm glad you brought that up. A little over three years we've been doing the podcast. Just recently started live streaming. But Very Grumpy, I've had, I've had a great time. It's been a great, I guess, first three years, uh, Grumpy Old Man. Um, I'm looking forward to our next week's podcast. Um, we'll have, I guess, training camp will have started by the next live stream we do. So there's definitely some good things we'll be looking forward to here in the future, Grumpy. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being part of it again. Thank you.